We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helvin. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the November 9th episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm here with Derek Van Riper, who just before we started recording, we were talking about um, t- being a consultant to determine the proper flavor of boogers for foul-flavored jelly beans for games and stuff. So we've been, we've been really uh, covering some hard-hitting subjects so far. We started really low. I had, a, I had a serious conference call before the podcast, so I had to undo that as quickly as possible. But uh, if people don't know, I think for the Harry Potter movies when those first came out, they made jelly beans that were kind of normal, but then kind of terrible mixed in. Mm-hmm. So you'd have a green jelly bean that might be sour apple, but you'd have another green jelly bean that looked like sour apple that tasted like boogers. And I just always thought that was, A, kind of cruel, like, why would I buy candy that tastes like boogers? And B, really bizarre because someone had to eat boogers to know what boogers tasted like in order to make booger jelly beans, which is a terrible idea. All right. So the flavors, the bad flavors in bean boozled are dead fish. (laughs) Hold on. Where'd they go? I'm on the page of flavors in this mix. Thank you. All right. Ready? Barf. Yep. Butter popcorn, chocolate pudding, 
juicy pear, moldy cheese, stinky socks, toothpaste, berry blue, canned dog food, coconut, lawn clippings, peach, spoiled milk, tutti frutti, booger, caramel corn, dead fish, lime, rotten egg, and strawberry banana smoothie. I mean, spoiled milk jelly beans. Could there be a worse flavor than that? Like, I don't know if you can come up with a worse one. Dead fish at least is not a, like, bad. Dead fish is bad too, but at least... Ugh, and yeah, so is I'm rotten not. egg because spoiled milk you're used to because you've tried spoiled milk accidentally. Rotten eggs you don't really get the chance to try. I mean, if you, if you can't smell it, then right. I'm, I'm really sorry because tasting that has to be worse. All right, should we talk about football? Please. All right. Well, I don't. I don't want to talk about the Panthers Steelers. That was gross. And you know what? You know what was especially gross about it? Not just coming from uh, the standpoint of being in Charlotte and you know starting the game well and then seeing it go down the tubes very quickly, but that fantasy wise, Ben Roethlisberger threw five touchdown passes to five different people. They scored mm-hmm. fifty-two points, and not one rec- not one offensive player other than Ben had a blow-up game for its fantasy owners. Yeah, but none of no, no one hurts you because they spread it around so well. I mean, right. everybody had a, everyone had a had a good game. Like that's that's pretty nice when when you win that easily, and target volumes and touch volumes are down because they spread it around so much. That was about as evenly as you can distribute points. So I got to give them props for that because that was impressive. All right, I mean, yeah. If you had, I see. I think Juju seemed to be in a big kind of smash spot last night, and he caught the seventy-five yard touchdown pass on what the first or second or third offensive play and you're going giddy up here we go and that was pretty much the last we heard from him they did throw to him in the red zone once and didn't work but yeah juju juju was the one to me that was a little disappointing and then on the other side the panthers horrendous as they were christian mccaffrey owners slept very well last night with his three touchdowns yeah he smashed nobody else did but it was all mccaffrey last night and i've gone back to the Yep, I was wrong about him, but that's where I've, I've settled in. I think that's where the, the story sort of ends for me with Christian McCaffrey in 2018. Like I I was wrong. Uh, I was among the dummies who thought C.J. Anderson could have the Jonathan Stewart function mm-hmm. and that Cam would be you know, vulturing goal line carries. I thought those were reason uh, good reasons to not push Christian McCaffrey up into the first round and to maybe not even take him in the first half of the second round. And I was wrong. I admit that. All right. Well, um, other thing from that game, James Conner apparently in the concussion protocol. So we're 10 days away from the next game. You're going to have to keep an eye on that one, everybody. Folks, check us out on Twitter. I'm at John Hel- jhalpin37. He is at Derek Van Riper. You can also tweet us at Rotowire. Get the player updates at Rotowire NFL and find us on Facebook. All right, week 10, buys, Ravens, Broncos, Vikings, Texans. Uh, big news, Matt Barkley might quarterback for the Bills on Sunday. Might. Josh Allen's still very much up in the air. It's funny, we get to Friday, and usually there's clarity by Friday, and Sean McDermott about, asked about Josh Allen. was like, yeah, well, you know, he might play. Yeah, that's uh, that was not what I expected. Um, if Matt Barkley starts, I assume that kind of pushes you down the Derek Anderson, Nathan Peterman path of, yes, I like the Jets' defense this week. Mm-hmm. But you do so that with like, Josh Allen got, too, right? Yeah, you still like him with Josh Allen. I think they... They're, they're just a little less of a slam dunk. And, and they're not cheap in DFS either. They're like top five in price, I think, on both of the big sites anyway. So you're not really getting away with anything. And the attitude I've definitely adopted over the course of this season is defense comes last always. 
and I will take what I have left. And if I really don't like what I have, maybe I'll look at my third receiver or my flex and try to pay down a little more there if I need to pay up. But I, I don't. I really try not to prioritize defenses in DFS. Okay. Well, um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I think. I think I agree with you. There's other options there this week, especially if you're in a tournament. You know, you get a defense that's 25% owned. It's not going to separate you from people. So. All right, so anyway, more stay tuned. You'll probably know Sunday morning who's playing for the Bills, but it sounds like we're down to Josh Allen or Matt Barkley and Nathan Peterman. You know, I was, I was reminding my daughter last night, two years ago, we went to the Clemson-Pitt game at Clemson when Pitt beat them the year they won the national title. Mm-hmm. And we saw Nathan Peterman and James Conner. I mean, so, it, it probably looked okay for Peterman then. He played great. I mean, yeah. He won 42-40 to 40 or something. Yeah, I mean, he did. He probably had a bright future in that moment. Oh, well. All right, injuries uh, out first. So the Redskins we talked about yesterday, Chris Thompson and three starting linemen. Uh, Sam Darnold's doubtful, but he's not going to play. Sean Lee's not going to play. Robbie Anderson's doubtful for the Jets. So the Josh McCann-Robbie Anderson connection, that's not going to work out for you. Uh, Darius Slay did not practice again for the Lions, uh, which might tie in well to Allen Robinson's return for the Bears. Uh, The Titans are going to be without... Right tackle Jack Conklin, if you think that affects the pass protection or the running game. Just wanted to let you know that. Matt Bryant out again for the Falcons, so you're going to see more Giorgio Tavecchio. And Des Bryant, apparently not yet ready to play for the Saints. We talked about him yesterday that there could be some value, but if so, it ain't going to be this week. Yeah, I just I, I don't think he's explosive enough to do a lot with a small volume of targets in the short term, which makes the next few weeks as he starts playing a little bit dicey and so much of that offense just runs through Camara and Michael Thomas anyway that being the the third guy if he even becomes the third guy is not automatically going to lead him to steady every week value so, so now all right so neither one of us disclaimer neither one of us knows Des Bryant personally but if Des doesn't get I mean he's always been kind of a diva is a harsh word but it probably fits here I mean, he fits the stereotype of the diva wide receiver. You know, give me, the, you know, you, you loudly complaining that he doesn't get the ball. Demonstrably, let's say. I'm not loudly, but demonstrably. You can see him on the sideline complaining to the quarterback. Sometimes when he doesn't think he's getting the ball enough. Do you think, what, what if he gets, you know, three short yardage targets a game? Man, we don't know, but what do you think? Do, do I think he's going to blow up at Drew Brees and Sean Payton? Yeah. No, I, 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 I think at this point, Dez is looking at a path to a Super Bowl. I think he's accepting a smaller role. I think he's smart enough to understand that Thomas and Kamara are ahead of him in the pecking order for sure. And other people might be too. I think if he wanted to be the only game in town, he would have signed with a team with a lot less talent okay. than the one he chose to sign with. And maybe he didn't have that many choices, but I, I just get the sense that I, I, I'd agree with you. I mean, we've seen Dez have blowups in the sideline. We've seen a lot of receivers have blowups in the sideline. I, I don't think there's, I don't think it's as much of a negative as people make it out to be in general. Yep. I think it's players that just want to win. They're just ultra competitive. And when it's wide receivers, there's this negative connotation that usually comes along with it. But, don't you want guys in your team that want the ball, that want to win? Yes. And I, I think... Mean, like, it just doesn't bother me that much. I, I agree with you. And I, Okay, I'm going to throw back an analogy here. When I was in college, I worked in a restaurant. 
I was a waiter and the chef was temperamental. And I mean, he used to, you know, I'd come in and I'd mess up an order or I'd drop and he would curse me out at the top of his lungs. And it's like, okay, whatever. You know, you can't let it roll off your back. It's not a big deal. You know, you get used to it. And people, while you work, you're in the heat of a stressful moment and they yell at you. You're like, okay. I mean, it's not like, oh no, dysfunction. This team can't survive. Yeah, you can. So, you know, a couple guys yelling at each other. No biggie. So I agree. Yeah. With you. I mean, like, at a certain point, if it's abusive, it's toxic. But if it's just frustration because it's extremely busy and your, your chef wants to run an awesome restaurant, then that's right. the kind of chef you kind of want to work for. Now, the, the one time that I didn't know any better and I put the ketchup on the Eggs Benedict, that Ooh. made him really mad. I'd be mad, too, if I had to remake Eggs Benedict because the waiter squirted ketchup all over it. Was it was for me, things. actually. He was making it. It was sort of a treat. We did a <laughs> Sunday brunch, and he made Eggs Benedict for everybody. Because you know? normally it would be something, you know, just throw together pasta or something, and he would do no effort. And then he did Eggs Benedict one day, and I put ketchup on it. And, oh, my God, it was like I killed somebody. I mean, okay, so <laughs> the happy medium on that was you probably should have eaten it before putting ketchup on it, and then after a couple of bites, the way it was prepared, then you can do whatever you want. I didn't it. know. I was 19 years old. I had no idea. I don't know what region of this country normalized ketchup on eggs, but, I mean, people need to eat whatever they want to eat the way they want to eat it, but it does look weird to me when people do that. I don't scold people for it because yeah. eat your eggs however you want, but it does... It does look really weird to those of us who choose not to do that. Okay. But do you guys put mustard on burgers? Of course. Yeah. yeah see, I can't. I, I don't understand that at all. Yeah. You can put, you can put whatever you want. Yeah. Mustard's fine. I, we put ketchup on hot dogs outside of Chicago, of course. But there's like eight things on a Chicago-style hot dog. You don't need ketchup on it. That thing's like a salad, really, with a piece of meat in the middle. Yeah. No, it, it is. It's like, a, it's like a salad on a steamed roll. All right. Anyway, tangent, but whatever. Um, more injuries? Ready? Keep them coming. All right. Uh, back in. Leonard Fournette back. We talked about that yesterday. Bears get Allen Robinson and Khalil Mack back, most likely. Patriots look like they're going to get Sony Michelle back. Now, the 2B determines. Sammy Watkins back at practice Friday. That's all we know. He didn't practice Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, Gronk. Any Gronk news today that you've seen? I, I mean, just saw something. Today. You know, they'll, they'll say whatever, and they'll say, yeah, maybe he's playing. And that's all we'll get. Don't you think if he's got anything of significance at all that they would be smart to not play him this week and to let him rest through the bye week and to bring him back in week 12 at or near 100% health? Like, doesn't that just seem kind of simple like as a solution? Yes, I, it does. But and they might do it, right? They could. I, I have not seen a follow-up yet on Gronk, and I think they're always going to be close to the vest with how they how they handle him. Okay, let me see what we got here. Searching on Twitter. Oh, no, if you just search the name, you get tweets from everybody. That doesn't help me. Does not help with Gronk. Um, three minutes ago, Ryan Hannibal yep. from uh, WEEI. How much fun are you having this year, Gronk? I'm just working hard. Sometimes you have to put the work in and do what you have to do. Uh, Gronk says it's a coach's decision if he plays Sunday. When asked if he feels like he could, shrugged his shoulders and laughed a little. Got that's it. A, that's weird. Okay. Well. That, that to me makes it seem like he wants to play and the coaches are like, hey, man, just don't hurt yourself partying this weekend and you're not going to play. Right. There you go. Okay. Fair enough. 
All right, so Gronk said maybe. So game time decisions now. We mentioned Josh Allen. Chris Carson is a game time decision, according to the Seahawks. Jameson Crowder might return. The Skins need him. Um, he might, he's a game time decision. Gio Bernard listed as questionable, but sounds like he's going to be back. Basically, what I read about the – I think I read on his Rotowire uh, blurb that – Basically, they, of the players declared out for the Bengals, there's no more room on the inactive list. So Gio, Gio Bernard, by process of elimination, is going to be active. He he will be active, but not really active. But he, like, he might he might play. I think he's going to play. But it literally looks like there's not a way for him to be inactive. So at the very least, he'll be he, he'll be. You probably don't have to worry about him being on the inactive list Sunday morning. Right, and, but you and as probably don't want to play him. No, you might. You still might. I mean, I don't think you generally would. I think it's going to be a lot of Joe Mixon, and I wouldn't trust Gio getting a big workload. But I, I, it sounds like he might be back in the normal swing of things this week. Better chances than not, let's say. Um, Denzel Ward is a name I've seen listed as questionable. We don't know what that means, but he's been limited all week, so we're going to have to watch out for that. And Ryan Grant, I think you talked about him yesterday, might be back for the Colts, um, which could affect my man Dontrell Inman somehow. Watch That's out too bad. That. Yeah, I know. I was really excited about that. Well, I, I can't say I was excited. That's not true. Streaming defenses. There's not great options here. The great option in the beginning of the week was the Jets, and everybody took them. Mm-hmm. So the Jets are now up to they, <laughs> someone Yahoo. This is awesome. Um, the Jets are the Sixth most owned defense on Yahoo at 88% right now. Life comes at you fast. I think it was 13 on Monday. So. <laughs> they were 13% owned on Monday? It, it, was le- it, was th- it was less than 30. I think it was in the teens. Man, we're, we're almost to the point where you have to start looking at who the Bills are playing the following week. Yeah. Stashing them through the week on your bench, like in leagues where you got a big bench. And then just having them at your disposal for next week. You know what? I'm going to look at that. I'm going to have that up a little later. That's going to be an exercise for, for maybe Monday, looking ahead for defenses later, you and me. Okay. All right. I think we got to do that. Um, all right. So streaming defenses now for this week. The Niners 30% against Eli. You interested? A little, I guess. I'm trying to think of a scenario where I have to do that, but it's not terrible. I get the feeling that you would be more interested in the Colts at 27% against Bortles than I would, because I'm on the Bortles train this week a little bit. Yes, I would. Um, yes, I, I would think about the Colts. I'd put them ahead of San Francisco. Yep. All right. Um, Falcons 22% at Cleveland against Baker. Ahead of San Francisco, behind Indy. Lots of injuries in that defense. Okay. The last one that I'm looking at, and, and I, I don't I, – I joke around sometimes on here that, that I get stuck. Sometimes I try to figure out a defense, and then I get after it, it doesn't work, and I go, but the match was, was perfect, and it was great, and oh, right, the defense is bad. I forgot that part. But the Giants' defense is not bad, Right? They're 4% owned on Yahoo. If I can't bet against Nick Mullins, who can I bet against? This is fair. I mean, it makes sense. I I know the guy played great last week, but the odds that, oh, look, now Nick Mullins is a good NFL quarterback, not likely. It was against the Raiders, the extreme crap outlier in the league right now that can't do anything. They can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass. They have no pass rush. 
Right. They, they literally do not have a pass rush. Yep. I mean, Kyle Shanahan, great, but he's not, you know, I mean, he's, he's not like the, the Superman. He, he's, I was going to say Jesus of play calling, but you know what I mean? As good as he is. I mean, this is a big ask to have this guy become a productive NFL quarterback. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, we all like Kyle Shanahan, but come on, like, let's, let's be, let's be a little more realistic about what happened last week and how difficult it's going to be against a team that does have some capable pass rushers. Right. So, so are we interested in, of these four? I think I'm most interested in the giants. The giants would be, maybe Indy would be ahead of them, but yeah, they, they'd be ahead of Atlanta. I'd rather use them in San Francisco. So, yeah, they'd be at least second on my list. So I think we both like them as a I didn't pick up a defense yet. and I got to do something. What should I do? Yeah, they they fit. Yeah. If you miss the Jets, sorry, but okay. All right. Uh, Next up for now, we're talking about streaming defenses. Now let's talk about streaming everybody else. Quarterback situation. There's not great options. We talked about Bortles yesterday and you're out, which, you know, fine. Um, Mariota, are you? I, I think the Patriots are going to win that game. Sorry, I think the Titans are going to win that game. And maybe I'm crazy, but I, I, he's playing well. The last two weeks, I mentioned this yesterday. I think he's improving and he's running, which is a huge deal. So I, I think there's there's potential here. I mean, if you missed out, you know, you had Cousins or or Deshaun Watson or something and you've been a slacker, and you didn't get who you wanted on the wire, I think Mariota could give you a productive week. I think he'd be okay as a, a stream. I think it's for for me, it's because I think the Patriots are going to have a lead, and the attempts are going to be there. Corey Davis being healthy right now is good. Having a pass catching back in Deion Lewis certainly helps. So I'd say if I'm looking at like Mariota versus Dak, who are, are similarly owned on Yahoo, I'd rather use Mariota at home against New England than Dak on the road against Philly. I would too. What about, and we're going to raise the threshold a little bit to 50% on Yahoo, would you rather use Mariota or Alex Smith? Hmm. I think I'd actually rather play Mariota. A lot of injuries for Washington, even though it's a nice matchup for Smith. What about the last one, Mariota or Baker Mayfield? Baker. Um, Atlanta's defense is just so banged up. I think that that game has legitimately good shootout potential. So I think this could be a nice Baker week. Okay. Um, of the the bottom group, I was looking at with reasonable matchups anyway. Sorry to wound you by one of the names, but Mullins, Brock Osweiler, and McCown. I mean, McCown doesn't have a good matchup, but McCown's probably better than Darnold was. Anybody there interest you at all? Does Osweiler interest you? Since you're, I know you've been kind of. You know, you you have angst about the Packers and and their defense. It, does Osweiler interest you at all? Uh, not really. Um, the game script is okay, but I think Green Bay is getting heavier or getting healthier in the secondary, which which helps them quite a bit. So yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not uh, celebrating Brocktober in November. I'm I'm kind of over it. Okay, so I mean, it, I, I guess it depends on context. But how about this? Right now, the RotoWire projections have Osweiler as the worst, the lowest-ranked non-Bills quarterback among the starters. Do you think that is accurate, or should he be above McCown, Mullins, Rosen, people like that? I think I like him more than Mullins. I think I like him about the same as Rosen. I mean, Rosen's a big underdog. 
going into Arrowhead, pretty hostile environment, actually better than expected defense. So I think that's pretty comparable. So, yeah, I mean, bottom five quarterback is probably where I'm safely placing Osweiler, but I wouldn't I wouldn't go to the mat arguing that he has to be bottom two or bottom three or anything. I mean, you know, we're, we're nitpicking at the bottom of the two quarterback league, you know, <laughs> pool here. But I just wanted to kind of get ideas of people you could stream depending on the situation. OK, running backs. Hello. Oh, this is a this is not there's one guy I like here. Okay, so Frank Gore, 26%. That's not it. Even though he carried 20 times last week, and maybe we're being stubborn, we're still not there because he never scores, and he averages like three yards a carry. Yeah, passive observer and head coach Adam Gaze was confused. <laughs> I still love that. Gee, how'd that happen? I don't know. <laughs> that wasn't what I thought we were going to do. Gosh, that's oh. not good. Well, that's okay, an boss. That's an unfortunate turn of events. <laughs> Better, better troubleshoot that chain of command there, Sarge. <laughs> Sounds a little off. Um, your Wisconsin Badger, Corey Clement, 26% owned. Also, he had an illness. He mispracticed, but with an illness this week. It sounds like he was back today and doing okay. And Josh yeah. Adams, also 13%, if we're going to talk about the Eagles. We could, might as well talk about them together. Mm-hmm. Anything? Three-headed man, three monster now, which I hate. I don't, I don't like it. I picked up Adams in the NFFC. You got a 10-man bench there, and you've got some spots that you're never really going to have to use. So it's the, what could go right? It, it, the reason I did it is because I think the Eagles, as I said yesterday, they're in that position where it looks like they're just about to kind of find their stride. You know, Wentz further removed from the injury, uh, Jeffrey and Golden Tate out there in the offense with the tight ends they have and with Aguilar. I just think they're going to start rounding into form. They're going to be one of those teams that we look at once the playoffs get here. If, if they remain mostly healthy, they're going to be a scary team come January. And you know, the process of becoming a scary team often bears a lot of fruit for fantasy owners. So I, I think Adams is sort of an interesting speculative pickup in leagues that are deep enough for you to pull it off. All right. Um, Alfred Morris, 18% owned. This would be, I think the argument there would be if the Niners beat the Giants, handle the Giants, let's say, and Brita can't get all the snaps now that Mostert's out, Alf might have a role. Is it a reach? It's a big reach, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, Alf's going to be a showdown player that comes up when we do the single game slate stuff, but I I don't think you want to put your eggs in that basket from a season-long perspective this week. Yep. And the last one, the last one is the one guy I like. It's Elijah McGuire on the Jets. Last week, he out-snapped Crowell, right? I mean, they, they like him, but they say they like him, or they said in the, in the preseason, it sounded like they liked him as their third down back. And last week, they were in a close game. It wasn't a rally. If, if you had told me he was going to out-snap Crowell, and I would have said, oh, the Jets were down by two touchdowns, and he was in there to catch passes. That wasn't the way it happened. So, you know, he's on the field for 36 snaps, 10 touches against the Dolphins in a low-scoring game. He catches the ball. They, again, I keep saying, I, they, they seem to like him. I, I think there's, a, there's an interesting path to production here for him. Yeah, I think it's better in future weeks when they're facing a team that will force them to play more catch-up. But I think he does have a clearly defined role. And for a guy under 20% owned, a position where finding help is difficult, Elijah McGuire would be pretty high on my list as far as your late week pickups go. Okay. Wide receivers. Uh, 
Christian Kirk at 31%, seven targets last week in the first Byron Leftwich game. We have we have before, after McCoy. Actually, we have before Leftwich and after Leftwich. So seven targets for Kirk, but 12 for Fitz. Kirk at 31%. It's just okay, right? Yeah, it's still, I mean, you're relying on garbage time and a rookie quarterback on the road to get him the ball. I look at Jamison Crowder at the same ownership rate. And if we get clearance that he's going to play prior to Sunday morning or early Sunday afternoon, I'd be more inclined to play Jamison Crowder against the Bucks than Christian Kirk against the Chiefs this week as far as your lower-owned streaming receivers go. Okay, so if Crowder plays, does that mean the Maurice Harris experiment we dispense with and we pretend it's not there anymore? I would dial back the Harris expectations if Crowder's out there, yes. If Crowder pl- doesn't play, how interested are you in Maurice Harris against the Bucks? Still kind of, if, if Crowder's out, then I think Harris versus Kirk is another interesting question, but I, I do think it requires the continued absence of Crowder for Harris to come anywhere close to last week's target volume again. All right. Um, we've got Adam Humphreys at 14%, and we talked yesterday about how he's been, he's been out snapping to Sean Jackson and Chris Godwin lately. John Ross at 14%. With A.J. Green out, is, is this John Ross's final? I mean, man, he was, when I was doing this show with you and other people in August, people wouldn't shut up about this guy. I mean, he's a first he's really pick. explosive. Fast. Yeah, it made sense, and he got hurt. He couldn't really stay on the field, and then Tyler Boyd emerged. Now what? Now what happens with John Ross? Now that he's got his chance, we all kind of buried Tyler Boyd this draft season. Really, so did. that's been it's been a nice, pleasant surprise for everybody. Uh, I'd rather throw Ross out there. It's, it's kind of an underdog versus even matchup kind of thing. Where if, if you're close, a Crowder if he plays, or a Christian Kirk has like a higher floor. But if you're a, a pretty big dog this week, yeah, Ross is the what could go right guy. I mean, if Marshawn Lattimore kind of follows around Tyler Boyd at all, Ross is going to have the easier matchup in the passing game. And we've saw it in the preseason. I know it's different preseason, but he was explosive when he was healthy. They don't really have a lot else there they can do. You brought up Gio Bernard earlier. I, I kind of wonder if they're going to find some ways to use Gio in the passing game to take a little bit of that missing A.J. Green target share. Because Boyd gets a lot of targets as it is. So the up-for-grabs green targets probably do get split on Ross, Bernard, maybe C.J. Uzoma. I am surprised more people didn't pick up Ross because he's facing a Saints defense that's been very soft against the pass this season. All right. How how popular is John Ross going to be at 3,900 on DraftKings? Um... Like, like if I'm trying to predict tournament ownership rate. Yeah, I mean, not necessarily number, but like, but really popular, modestly, or am I, are there mm-hmm. other guys that are going to jump ahead at the wide receiver position that I'm not thinking about? Modestly popular, not enough where you'd fade based on ownership. I mean, you you just choose this based on whether or not you believe the targets are going right. to be there or not. If, if Sammy Watkins were, were out, Chris Conley at 3,200 is a guy that I'm, almost as interested in yeah and that extra 700 bucks would be really nice to have because i i think you're looking at both those guys ross and conley again in the absence of watkins and you say well it could be four targets or it could be eight it's probably going to be four or closer to four but at that price point in a tournament excuse me you want uh the exposure to something potentially amazing so i i think it's 
big field GPP only for both of those guys, but people are going to be on Ross a little bit. Okay. Um, by the way, Darius Slay officially out for the Lions. Just saw that. Um, yeah, the other wide receiver, Anthony Miller, he's, he's been a little disappointing to me. I thought, they were, I thought we were going to get more out of him. And, I mean, he's sort of he, – I think he's got about five or six targets last couple of weeks. And five or six targets or catches? Sorry. I mean, he's been okay. But did, did you expect – I mean, he, I don't want to say we expected a ton because he was kind of more of a, a late-rounder undrafted sleeper type as a rookie. But, you know, I kind of thought there was an opportunity for him, and it just is, you know, not really going on. He got five catches last week, three the week before. So, so here's, here's what went wrong. <clears throat> I don't know why I can't talk today, why I've got a frog in my throat. It wasn't jelly beans, I promise. Okay. The, um, the emergence of Taylor Gabriel. Like Taylor Gabriel's had a larger role in the Bears' offense than I expected all season long. And I think that's the biggest reason why Miller, up until two weeks ago, had no more than 15% of the Bears' targets in any particular game, at least out of the receivers. So the last couple weeks... With no Allen Robinson, he's been getting more looks. And I think with Robinson's return, something has to give. And I I think we have to assume it goes back to Miller getting scaled back as opposed to Gabriel getting scaled back. Right. Okay. Um, tight ends. Still, people are still... It, it, does it seem weird to you that people are resistant to pick up Chris Herndon? Uh, I mean, sort of. It, tight end such a mess that you you'd think that anybody getting targets in the red zone would would be appealing, and people would just go ahead and chase accordingly. If you look at the target counts uh, for this team over the last, let's say, four weeks now, Herndon's getting about four a game. Topped out with seven back in week seven, but two, two, and four in the other games around that. So it's still it's still a little more fringy. It's like a 14-team league tight end for me when I look at Chris Herndon and, and like a GPP dart right. if you like the matchup in, in DFS. Okay. He's, got, he's 13% owned. The other guy I wanted to talk about, the not the poor man's Chris Herndon because that's not right, but the, the guy who's being ignored more than Chris Herndon, Nick Vanette. On the Seahawks. Not sexy. I get it. But eight targets last week? Maybe? Anything? I I threw him in my my fishbowl lineup because I've nice. got a mess at tight end right now. I don't think that's going to happen again. Eight's kind of an outlier compared to his previous games this yep. season. I think he's more of like a four to five target guy. Probably fits into that same bucket as, as Herndon. And the, the strange thing about the Seahawks for me is like, yeah, Doug Baldwin's back, but the the opportunities for Tyler Lockett have gone down more than yeah. I would have expected. I thought he'd still be a big part of the plan. And here's David Moore still getting enough looks to where if you're like, hey, if those David Moore targets were going to Lockett and Baldwin, that'd be good. But they're not. And and Vanette's just like another guy pulling opportunities away from the top two receivers. So he's kind of a, a frustrating player because I don't think you generally like him enough to use him in most leagues, but he's just chipping away at what Baldwin and Lockett could be doing. Yep. He really is. He's annoying. That's what he is. Just super annoying. So I mean, I, I blame Brian Schottenheimer like, as everybody does. <laughs> um, the DFS value report. We're going to do FanDuel DraftKings 
And as we always talk about, FanDuel is, you know, it, it's always the chalky guys. Actually, I don't know, this is not a chalky guy. The highest, the, the biggest value on the quarterback board right now is Carson Wentz. That's intriguing to me. I know his price is a little lower. I mean, look, Mahomes is 9,800 and he's the, you know, he's at the top of the list. Wentz is 7,400. But he's playing in a game. I mean, I know they're favored by seven. But, you know, their projected point total is 25. It's a low over-under. Do do you... Wentz has been playing pretty well, generally. So, I I guess I can see this. I was just... In a game with a low over-under like that, it just kind of surprised me a little. I'm uh, I'm going to charge with uh, Carson Wentz this week. I'm going to go play a Carson Wentz lineup on Fanball because their main... Their main slates include the Sunday night game, mm-hmm. and you got to choose a slightly different slate on FanDuel and DraftKings to get that. Uh, but yeah, he's sixty six hundred on on FanBall, so he's nice and and cheap over there too. So I'm probably going to pair him up. I don't know if it's going to be with Jeffrey or with Ertz. I haven't decided yet. Tight end's a little bit of a a clown show again. So not Tate. Yeah, not Tate yet. I, I think it's going to take a little time, I, I, and I think the Lions are going to miss Golden Tate, not because. Galladay and Jones aren't good players, but I just think your overall offensive efficiency can go down for a bit when you take a really good player who has got a great rapport with your quarterback and you just take him out of the offense. Like that, that's a that's a guy that you could lean on in situations where you're just trying to convert for a first down, like third and six. Like that's that's your first read a lot of times if you're Matthew Stafford. So again, they can they can adjust, but I just wonder how long that adjustment period is going to take. Okay, um, the running backs. I mean, Gordon Kamara. Gurley, Hunt, Saquon, James White, yada, yada, yada. Nothing nothing to see here. The FanDuel wide receiver value meter. Is there anyone remotely interesting? Cooper Cup is maybe eighth or ninth on the list. He's a low, say 64. Okay, similar price. Cooper Cup or Jarvis Landry? Cup every single day. Yeah, I think you're right. I see things. Landry's in an interesting spot. The Falcons give up slot production. I don't know. This is one of those games where I look at Jarvis Landry and I go, if not now, when? And maybe it's not ever this year, but this seems... I mean, I, I, like, I like Landry's spot. I just, I trust the Rams I know. so much more. And and Cup gets a lot of red zone targets. Like, that's, aside from the volume he gets overall, like, he just gets a lot of looks in close. All right. And the tight ends, the, so the value meter, or the value report, I should say, has people who are good values are in green. That's sort of the green kind of jumps out at you. There are no green tight ends. None. Sounds about right. So my, my Wentz Ertz take me to charge stack is making a lot of sense. Yep. It's uh let's see. The only ones that are not red are Kelsey Ertz, Gronk, Burton and Joku. And I told you yesterday, I don't like Burton this week. So I, I've seen Burton written up as a cash game play. At various places, you know, I, I do what? do a little. I do a little research out there. I, I read some stuff in the industry, and yeah, Burton as a cash play. I was like, okay, I know John doesn't like him, but or John like John. Yeah, John doesn't trust him, and I, I like him as a tournament guy, but a cash game tight end. Like I, I wasn't quite there. I, I just I shook my head. I said maybe I'm missing something, and I'll take an L on this one if it's if it's actually really safe and he comes out and gets eight targets. But I, I think he's a, a tournament play. They don't throw to him. Why? They've why had am some, I supposed had to like weird him? games the last couple of weeks? I know he gets open a lot. Yeah, <laughs> the, the points against tight ends. The lines are in the middle of the pack. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't get that one. And I'm not a. I'm. I'm far from a DFS pro, but I don't get that one. Someone. I would like. I want to try to find someone that's going to explain it to me. 
Um, Dear pros, please tweet at us and explain why you think Trey Burton is a cash play. Trey Burton sucks. That's what I'm going to say. No, I'm not. I drafted a lot of Trey Burton. I've been very disappointed. So maybe that's part of my reasoning. Um, all right. So that's it for the FanDuel value report. The DraftKings, as usual, if we're going to compare the two, is more interesting because of the pricing. Let's go here at quarterback. The values are... See, this one's not great. It, it, Mahomes is top of the list, so that's no fun. But after that, you've got Matt Ryan, who's 6,200, which is not bad. Andy Dalton. Really? Andy Dalton? You think, does that, he's cheap. I get it. He's 5,800. Um, that's a little surprising to me. Well, the Saints' pass defense is a garbage can, like just rolling down the street. I mean, we're talking 27.5 DraftKings points allowed per game this season. Only Tampa Bay is allowed more. The whoa, 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 hold on. I, I, I want to interrupt this one. Is that totally fair? Or have they been that way lately, too? I, I'm going to pull that up because I feel like they've improved. I feel like they struggled in the beginning and they've improved a lot. But 28.2 since week six. So second only to the Bengals during that span. All right. What do I know then? Okay, fine. Proceed. So this game has all the ingredients for a shootout. And the only the only hurdle in that is A.J. Green not being there. Like if you believe A.J. Green's the kind of player that opens up everything else in that passing game for the Bengals and that they're going to sputter without him, that Andy Dalton's going to be lost without A.J. Green out there. That's the only way this game kind of busts as far as a, a shootout not developing is concerned. But, I, I, all right, I get the matchup. But Dalton hasn't been as good since Eifert got hurt. It's the Saints. It's, it's, that, it's that defense. It's just the pass defense is so bad. Okay. Last that's it. That, that's the whole thing. But the, here's, the, here's the weirdest thing pertaining to the Bengals, too. Tyler Boyd was the other guy that showed up in multiple cash write-ups that I saw yeah, from smart people who do extremely well in DFS. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, like I get it, green's out, good matchup. But Mike Evans wasn't written up as a cash game play. Yeah. And Mike Evans is cheaper on DraftKings. I, don't, I forget if he's cheaper on FanDuel. And I'm like, all right, everyone likes Fitz as a cash game quarterback, but everyone's not on Mike Evans as a cash game receiver. Like, look at his target share. He caught... A lot of James Bradbury last week. But generally, Mike Evans is having a season in terms of efficiency that's as good as his previous best season. Right. He's getting 10.1 yards per target, which is a career high. He is, uh, he's, in terms of fantasy points per game, he's right in line with his 2016 season, which was the best we've seen from him. Right. I don't, I don't, people don't care. And, and the, look at the game log. When Fitz started those first three games uh, on DraftKings, we had a, a 30.7, a 23.3, and a 28.7 in the first three games from Evans. They went to Winston. It dropped to 11.9, a bye week, 9.8. Uh, Cleveland, 20.7. Cincinnati was the game where Jameis got benched. That was a 32.9, and then he disappointed last week in a road spot at Carolina where he only caught one pass. But he got 10 targets. Like They're still trying to get him the ball. Yep. So you look at Washington as a team that's been struggling against outside receivers. You look at Evans as a guy that gets double-digit targets a lot, and they, he's got the better quarterback of the two back under center. This 
This seems like an obvious Mike Evans cash week. I saw him written up as a contrarian GPP play. I was like, I hope he's contrarian, but I'm not expecting it. I, I, lo- I love Mike Evans this week. Right. Yeah, I love Mike Evans too. So uh, I'm with you. Um, speaking of, let's see, running backs first. Actually, let's go to wide receivers because you talked about the receivers. The receiver value meter, Michael Thomas. Mike Williams at 3,800 is second on the list for DraftKings value. Hmm. Yeah. Um, here's we talked the yesterday about him versus Tyrell, and they sort of cancel each other out a bit. Yeah, well, yeah, the problem is that they're they're just not getting Tyrell's playing more snaps and they're both getting such limited volumes that it, they're very touchdown dependent. The price is probably fair enough where you can take that chance, but the game script is pretty negative, so I think it's purely a GPP sort of call even though the you know, the projection compared to the salary is so favorable. Okay. Um Let's see. The other ones, uh, Julio Maurice Harris is up there, but we talked about him being Crowder dependent. Uh, the running back values on DraftKings, that, there's that guy again. So Kareem Hunt's first. Ito Smith is second. Ito, so why is he still so cheap when we think he's in a good spot and we know he's getting the ball double-digit times a game? He's 3,700 on DraftKings. Yeah, algorithm just keeps missing him over there. I mean, uh, tournament flex consideration, maybe. Right. I, there's there's a path to like ten to twelve touches, maybe a touchdown. I, I see it for for tournaments. Why you why you'd sprinkle him in? I kind of like him if you're if you're sort of fading the game, like you think the production is going to get spread out over a bunch of different players. Like you think Landry's too chalky and Joku's too chalky. You don't want Tevin Coleman coming off the big game. You don't want to pay up for Julio, but you want something there mm-hmm. in the tournament. That that's where I think Ito on DraftKings kind of creeps in for me. Right, Ito could score two touchdowns. You could. So, all right. Um, the tight ends, Burton and Watson. Okay, you want to see the optimizer lineup I have or hear it? We're going to do one, rip. one DraftKings, one FanDuel. DraftKings, I locked. I'm going to let you do FanDuel. I'm going to do DraftKings. Um, I locked Mike Evans and Deion Lewis, who I like. Deion Lewis is 4,600. I like the way he's been playing the last couple of weeks. The lineup that got spit back at me, Mahomes at quarterback, Kamara, Deion Lewis, Michael Thomas, Mike Evans, and Maurice Harris at wide receiver. Mike Williams as the flex. That guy, Trey Burton, who I'm probably going to X out at tight end. And the Patriots defense, which I don't like. But You're really on the anti-Patriots narrative this week. So yeah. I, most people would see that and go, yeah, okay. Like they, can, they can design some coverages to fool Mariota. They could. I don't know. I you think, know. Why not? I feel the same way with them as as the the week that they the Titans played the Eagles. You know, and I know the Eagles aren't turned out to be not as good as the Patriots are now, but it was the same thing going in there. I'm going, nah, at home they're getting all those points, nah. So I don't know. FanDuel, you want you, who do you want? Who do you want to lock in on FanDuel? All right, so I'm building a tournament lineup, which I think, again, as you start playing with an optimizer, you want to have a, a, a goal, like what kind of contest are you playing going in and, and lock in some pieces that fit your, your tournament build and then run it and see what it does and, and keep messing with it. So for me, I like Mike Evans. I'm locking him in. At running back, I'm locking in Leonard Fournette for tournaments. Mm-hmm. You're getting a discount right now. If you take the wait and see, you're probably not getting the same discount next week. 
you might not be getting a discount at all. Like he, he could be the running back who increases the most in price from this week to next. That's possible. Mm-hmm. David Johnson is the other guy I want in my backfield. And I think it's because everyone is so content right now to pay up for a Gurley or at least a Melvin Gordon when FanDuel is 8,900, Kamara's 8,800, or Kareem Hunt. Those four guys, like every lineup, it seems like is going to have one of those four guys. So getting off those four at running back is a priority for me to start. The apparently contrarian Mike Evans, also of interest to me. I'm going to lock him in, and I'm going to say we'll start there. We'll run it with three locked in and see what it tells me to do. All right, so it uh, it thinks Mahomes at 9,800 is worth paying up for. Right. It thinks that uh, Melvin Gordon should go in the flex spot at 8,900, even though I didn't lock him into one of the two running back spots. Jarvis Landry at 6,400. Mike Williams at 5,400, which in a tournament, I'm okay with that. Jason Kroom at tight end at 4,000. I kind of like that, actually, because you know tight ends are often, when, when there's quarterback turnover, tight ends are the the big safe target. So you can at least think about something like that. Again, tournament tournament mindset, I'm okay with it. He had 42 snaps last week, five targets. And the Packers defense against Miami. Yeah, I'll, right. I'll take the Packers defense against Brock. That's not... Absolutely. That's not absurd. I think the, the Rams are also 3,900. So you've got an option at the same price if you want it. Of all those plays, if you really don't want to play Kroom and or Mike Williams, you can not use Mahomes since you're not pairing him with a receiver and uh, adjust down. Now, I wonder if I think the ownership rate on Ryan Fitzpatrick in tournaments is going to be kind of high. I agree. Even though people apparently don't like Mike Evans that much. I, I'm still not sure if I even buy that. Like I, I think I think Evans is going to be like 10% owned. Okay. Which is not a fadeable number, right? You're not fading. No, you're not going to say I can't use Mike Evans because he's owned in 10% of other lineups. Like you say, he should be in 25% of lineups as I'm going to play him. The Mahomes thing is weird. Like on FanDuel, like on DraftKings, I totally get it. 9,800 for a quarterback in a game where you get this potential blowout. Right. But is that going to steer the ownership rate down because people are afraid? I, I think that spread pumps up Kareem Hunt ownership and deflates Patrick Mahomes ownership. So if this is a tournament lineup, I'm okay with this. And I think... My pivot that I would want, the guy that I'm least comfortable with of all those players that I read off, I mean, it's probably Kroom, to be honest, but he's only 4,000. It's, it's Mike Williams. Yeah. Because the Chargers might just be up big and, and running. So if I, if I were to X out Williams, keep Mahomes in, I think I might consider either locking in like Watkins if he plays or Chris Conley. Conley really makes it easy to, to make it all work. It does. If Sammy's out, I agree. Yes. Watkins is kind of a, a mess price-wise, so that, that would derail it. Because you want, you want something with Patrick Mahomes, right? You probably don't want to play him. You could play him by himself. Yep. But that's sort of where I'm at, where I'm like, okay, yeah, Mahomes, Fournette, David Johnson, Melvin Gordon, Evans Landry, Packers, and, and one more receiver in the, the 5K range, and Jason Kroom as, as a cheap tight end. As cheap, t- as cheap tight ends go, are you okay in a tournament going that low? And then throwing Kroom out there, would you want to pay up a little bit more? I'd want to pay up a little bit more. Jason Kroom. So, well, it's a tournament. I mean, look, if it's a big tournament and you're taking chances, I get it. And there's a there's a path there for the backup quarterback to throw to him. Mm-hmm. But that's a really bad offense, though. Like, I know, really, really bad. Right. I think I think it's I think the bad outcome is so much less likely than the good outcome. I think if you're if you're looking at Kroom. And you just say, no, I can't do it. I can't, I can't invest in Buffalo. 
and you want to stay ultra cheap at, at tight end, Josh Hill at 4,300, high over under total, might snag a TD, gets you exposure to the Saints that other people aren't going to have. Mm-hmm. That's probably that's what I would lock in. I'm going to add I'm gonna lock in Josh Hill to my lineup. Said nobody ever before. <laughs> Spin this again. See what it tells me to do. It's that last receiver spot that really it's probably going to keep looking like, hey, what should you do? Should you spend 5,600, 5,700? It comes back with Marquez Valdez Scantling, I believe. He's going to be popular. Packers! Yeah, the optimizer always loves Valdez Scantling. Okay, so there's there's something to work with here. Like there's there's some there's some ways to make it happen. Right. But then again, that's a tournament lineup and I'm I'm building it thinking that Mahomes will because of that spread come down in ownership more than most people believe. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Um that's it for today. What are we at? Our Friday show, we went to about 50. Not terrible. Not too long. It's never terrible, obviously. But, you know, we, we can chat about nonsense sometimes. But this was good. This was efficient, I think. No more yeah, jelly beans. No more jelly no beans. No more talk. jelly beans. The, um, the Shanky family Halloween candy stash has made its way into the Rotowire office. Nice. And um, that was a get that out of my house thing. Well, the kids are at just the, the, the as a trio of kids. They're, they're a few years apart. They're at the optimal age to just crush trick or treating. Yeah. Right. They're they're all old enough to go the entire time and to like run between houses if they want to. Yeah. And I think Pete said he brought in eight pounds of candy, which <laughs> means there was still more at home. So each of those kids probably brought in four to five pounds while they were trick or treating, and we got half of it. So um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm working on that, that's what I'm working on. Really? I'm working on that candy stash. So so there's going to be a it, this afternoon in the Rotowire office. There's going to be a bunch of candy and a beer cart, right? That's what's going to happen. Oh man, we you know what? The beer cart is a great idea. I think on some I thought you guys did beer carts. No, 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 but it, we we what uh, a beer cart is like what? Somebody that kind of like at a hotel, like they just come wheeling in with the, a cart and they just pop open the beer for you and hand it to you in the afternoon? Like is that is that what it is? I mean, you do it or someone in the staff, you know, someone goes out and buy buys a couple of cases of beer and wheels it around the office. I didn't mean like a butler. Oh, oh, okay. So, yeah, I mean, like a cooler on wheels. Yeah. Like a Coleman plastic cooler with a luggage handle on it. That's right. what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to save this. It snowed, it snowed today, overnight. <laughs> my, my, dog's, my dog's excited about it, so it makes me feel a little better about myself. Now that we've come to winter already in Wisconsin, God. as people start to get kind of sad by winter in the next few weeks, I will, at some random point, this is, this is going to be proof that nobody in our office is listening to our pod anymore. I will buy beers and bring them in at like four o'clock on a Friday in the next few weeks. Like after we've had two or three weeks of 30 degrees and everyone hates everything, I'll bring in some nice beer. How many people are there? Eh, 20 or so. Okay. Yeah, that's a good idea. You should definitely do that. I, I, it's a great idea. It's your idea. Yeah, see, there you go. All right. Well, I'm, I'll have my own beer card on Friday afternoons, too. I'll start for the podcast. I'll start at 2.30 Eastern. I'll crack one open for when we start up to get my weekend maybe, started. Maybe that's what you need to do on Fridays. You need to have it more laid back. Yeah. Because we're so serious now. <laughs> yeah, it's a very high-strung pot on Fridays. 
All right, folks, listeners to this podcast, get a free 10-day Rotowire trial, rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed for that, so you can check out nearly all the features on the site. Take a look now, rotowire.com slash pod. Leave us reviews and ratings wherever you're listening. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Derek and I will be back Monday morning to review the weekend and all the Marquez Valdez scantling you can handle, so please come on back then. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. Good luck in Week 10. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.